You're too kind. I tried looking for that uh, extra ice cream, uh, but I couldn't find it. I was a little sad that Luke didn't share, but how many of you were here last year for Ice Cream Sunday? Last week. Last week was Ice Cream Sunday? No, last year. We did Ice Cream Sunday last summer. Yeah, in July. Yeah, it was awesome. Do you remember? Actually, I think you were away. You might have been away. Okay, that's probably why. I think you're going to be away this year too. Sorry, Nate. I'll, say, I'll save you one. <laughs> but yeah, please come and join us uh, on the 30th uh, after, I guess if you're an 1115 attender, just immediately after the service, ruin your lunch. Nope. I mean, there's no rules that says you can't have ice cream for lunch. So um, it was a lot of fun. We just got to connect and, and meet new people. And I think there's still people that, uh, you know, maybe that was your first Sunday and uh, are still part of Kingdom City. And, and that was just kind of instrumental for you in meeting some people. So yeah, make sure if you're new with us, even if you're just church family, man, we got ice cream, ice cream sandwiches. See if we can find those Kit Kat ones. Again, I don't know. It's going to be awesome. Anyway, hey, I'm really glad to be here. I'm glad that you are here today. Uh, it's, it's been a while. Um, I think February was the last time that I had the, the opportunity to speak. And we actually got this lecturing uh, or pulpit in, bet- in between then. And if you believe it or not, it was actually six inches higher when we first got it. And I was like, yes, it fits me. <laughs> but... Uh, Others of us here would have needed a box to, uh, to come up there. I'm sorry. I just, uh, so anyway, I, have to, I guess I have to make the compromise. It works. It works good. And uh, honestly, I, I'm sorry. I, I just, I love Jesus and I love to be funny sometimes, but I'll be serious now. Um, <laughs> honestly, it really is always a privilege to bring uh, the word of God to uh, people to speak and to uh, just, just love Jesus and bring you into kind of what I feel like he's showing me personally, showing us as a church. And you know, I'm really excited for what the Holy Spirit wants to deposit into our lives today. And how many of you were here last week? A few of you, okay. Maybe here in body, but I understand. It's summer, right? Um, so last week we, we kicked off, Nathan launched for us the, uh, the Seizing the Promises summer series that we're in right now. And I'm with you, man. I love the graphic because it really shows, you know, there's, there's promises of God, but we actually have to take a hold of them. And so, you know, Nathan, I just love uh, how you really unpack the term revival. Uh, we kind of use revival language a lot, and sometimes it can become just a buzzword and uh, Nathan, I just, I, I really felt you did a good job of just unpacking, hey, this is what we mean when we say revival. This is what it looks like. And just as a recap, if you, if you weren't here, or even if you were here and you forgot, right, we can position ourselves for personal revival that actually spreads out into, you know, revival in our families and, and communities. Um, and we do that through humility, through hunger, and through holiness. You remember that? And so, yeah, so, but in doing that, right, we actually uh, position ourselves uh, to allow the grace of God to flow into our lives and then obviously out of our lives, uh, revealing the glory of God and the nature of God to, to the world, right? So, amazing. All right, so as we were talking about promises, talking about this series, one of the kind of key scriptures that we uh, wanted to refer to was 2 Corinthians 1.20. And uh, I'm going to read it to you in kind of in two translations. The first one, New King James, obviously, 
For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us. And I really like the Amplified Classic Translation, which says, For as many as the promises of God, they all find their yes answer in him, Christ. For this reason we also utter the amen, so be it to God through him in the person and in his agency to the glory of God. So I know that's a lot. What does that mean? It means that in his word, God has already decreed, he's already spoken and declared promises. And when we actually come into relationship with Jesus, we now actually have access to those promises. So when you open your Bible, how many of you have done that? You're reading and you come across a passage as a promise of God and you're like, let that be true in my life, right? So you're, you're declaring that amen, so be it in my life. And God's like, yes, you can have that. And so in, in coming into the agreement through our amen, we actually attach faith to Jesus, who's the great promise keeper, the great promise fulfiller. And then we actually position our, ourselves in faith that God will see that promise through in our lives to the glory of God the Father. Does that make sense? Is that a good, good, good recap? So we can conclude then that there are biblical promises from God and actually that they are accessible in relationship with Jesus, but it requires a, we have a part to play in that, to position ourselves in that, in relationship with Jesus. So today, I'm gonna talk about what I've called the rise of the wise. The rise of the wise, and it's God's promise for wisdom. How I many know, who needs wisdom? <laughs> Amen. Yes. I think that all of us here uh, run into situations and circumstances, and especially in the culture we're living in today where, you know, we're like, man, we need, we need godly wisdom. We need um, heavenly wisdom. We need the promise of wisdom to operate in our lives. And so I'm, I'm just so thankful that God actually promises to give wisdom. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to James book of James. This passage today is kind of going to be our, our anchor, but I've got a, a whole bunch of scriptures that I'm going to talk about today. Um, but this is kind of our, our main passage for today. So James 1, we're going to start at verse 1. It says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And I said this in the, in the first service, but isn't it interesting that there is, you know, there's an aspect of God's uh, presence of his nature and an aspect of the kingdom that can only be experienced in the face of hardship and tribulation trials. He goes on to say, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, because he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Again, verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. Ask of God who gives to all liberally, 
without reproach, and it will be given to him. It's interesting, when, when James wrote this letter, um, he wrote to the church, to Jewish Christian, they weren't Christians yet, they weren't called Christians yet, we know that later in Acts, but they were uh, Jewish believers, Jewish Christ followers. And in Acts chapter 7, towards the end, right, Stephen's martyred, and Saul's looking on in approval, right? And then we jump into Acts 8, and Saul begins to, to persecute the church. He's imprisoning Christians, killing Christians. And so all of these, these believers, all these followers of Jesus, they just scatter. They're like, we're out of here. And they go to different parts of, uh, of the region. And when they leave, they left homes, they left their possessions, um, they actually, you know, arrive to wherever they were. They have nothing, and they're like, we have no means, means of making income. And it caused within them really, uh, you know, confusion. There was fear, uh, loneliness, anger, sorrow, poverty, and hardship. And so James and the apostles that stayed in Jerusalem, like, they know, they know these followers of Jesus ha have gone out. And they're like, man, we got to encourage, we got to encourage our people, we gotta encourage these Christ followers because their fear was that they would be tempted to actually turn away from Christ. Their fear was that due to the religious, political, and economic pressures, they would just bow and they would turn from Christ. Sound familiar? So James is like, all right, we gotta encourage these guys. So he, so he pens this letter for them to encourage them in the face of persecution and hardship. And so my prayer today is that we would actually find uh, encouragement today from James's, yes, from James' James's letter, but also from the other scriptures we're going to dive into today. So there is a promise for wisdom from God. And I just want to say to you that this topic of wisdom, specifically biblical wisdom, it's vast, okay? Um, there's so much, and you know, we're trying to, to bring it into just a little you know, bite size that we can give today in, in just the short time that we have together. So I, I hope that you would take what you learned today about wisdom and that you would continue to pursue and, and to look into this further on your own in the days and weeks to come. And also know that I have not reached some kind of high level of wisdom. I am just as so much of stu a student in this as you are. I need wisdom just like you do. I think we all can grow in wisdom. And so I don't stand up here by any means saying that, I, you know, I'm the, the expert in this. So just want to get that out of the way. So there's two aspects of wisdom I kind of want, I want to look at today. One is the perspectives of wisdom and the other is the promise of wisdom itself. And here's what I ask you, what is wisdom? Like, what does that even mean? Like, what is, what is wisdom? As I studied this word wisdom, I kind of identified two perspectives, right? That we have a worldly perspective of wisdom on one hand, but then we also have the biblical, you know, godly understanding of wisdom. So indulge me for a minute, because we can have fun on, on Sunday morning, right? And it could be interactive, right? Okay, awesome. When you think of a wise person, fictional or non-fictional, who do you think of? Shoot me some names. <laughs> All right. Okay. Any others? Yeah. That's good. That's good. Awesome. Here's what I did for you. I did a little research. I, I went to, to Google 
and I, I t you know, I looked up who are some of the wisest movie characters really of the last 40 years. And I found a couple of comprehensive lists and thankfully many of the same uh, people were in, in those lists. So I was able to kind of bring together five. So these are five you know, top movie mentors. These are wise guys from the movies. And I just have to put this out there. If you're below the age of 30, some of these people might not be familiar to you. <laughs> and so I am going back to, to my era, like 80s and 90s growing up there and so anyway you get to have a cultural experience today as well so here we go number one <laughs> mr miyagi from the karate kid who knew that painting fences and waxing cars you could let you actually learn karate i mean this guy's brilliant obviously okay we, we've heard this one already but believe it or not yes number two and these aren't in any order but uh we got gandalf and I, I think the Lord of the Rings fans are, are over here, but that's awesome. Um, of a confession, I've actually never read the books, uh, but I have watched the movies. I know, I, I'm sorry. I started to read them and got distracted. Um, but I mean, we got Gandalf, right? He's a mentor of the hobbits, you know, Bilbo and Frodo and the dwarves and the hobbit, right? And he can blow killer smoke rings. Number three. We got Master Yoda, yep. Yeah, I wouldn't, don't worry, I wouldn't leave Yoda out. I mean, if you don't know who this is, I don't know what to say. So, Master Yoda, right, Master to the Jedi, Luke Skywalker saves the galaxy. Um, if you haven't seen Star Wars, yeah, you're, I don't know where you've been. Anyway, that's okay. Now this one, some of you may be familiar with, some not, but you can go ahead and put the next one up. See, okay, so you do know, it's Master Splinter from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, guys, seriously. My absolute favorite cartoon uh, as a child. I wasn't gonna say now, because it's not. It was as a child, let's be clear about that. Um, so, Master Splinter. Guys, you know who Master Splinter is? Okay, all right. Next one. Morgan Freeman in pretty much every movie that he's in. There's a, you know, there's a quote I came across that says, is there greater inspiration than the velvet tenor, that voice of Morgan Freeman? And I know if you just think for a minute, like you're like, hmm, actually, yeah. Pretty much every time he talks, it's like wisdom. I do have a sixth one because this is actually a real person, not a movie character. And I think we could all agree um, as we read the scriptures that Aside from Jesus, the next wisest man that walked the earth would have been King Solomon. And so, listen to uh, 1 Kings 4.34, it says, And men of all nations, from all the kings of the earth, who heard of his wisdom, came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. I'm going to highlight a little bit of, of King Solomon in a, in a moment, but I want to come back to Master Splinter for a second. <laughs> Okay, seriously, how many of you remember in 1990 when the uh, live action Ninja Turtles came out? And it was like Muppets, they were ugly, <laughs> and it was awesome. But in the movie, uh, you know, Master Splinter says this, he says, my Master Yoshi's first rule was possess right thinking. Only then can one receive the gifts of strength, knowledge, and peace. 
Possess the right thinking. Now, it sounds like wisdom, but it's worldly wisdom. I'll tell you why in a second here. Because according to the world, wisdom is actually defined as, as a rich procedural knowledge. It's actually just rich factual knowledge. It's taking in knowledge. It's also understanding different life contexts, okay, and an awareness of relativism of the values and priorities and the ability to recognize and manage uncertainty. I know that's a big, seems kind of philosophical definition, but the point is this. For the most part, wisdom is, is primarily just the uh, obtaining knowledge. And it's just, it, it primarily stays cognitive and uh, philosophical, introspective, contemplative, yet wisdom is so much more than knowledge. Wisdom is, is so much more than knowledge. Knowledge is important, but how many know you can have a wealth of knowledge, man, you can have a PhD and still be what the Bible calls a fool. I was gonna use another word, but I used the Bible word of fool. You can be a knowledgeable person, yet you're drowning in debt. You could be a knowledgeable person, yet you're cheating on your spouse. You could be a knowledgeable person. You could have a degree and living in your mom's basement playing video games. How I many know that's not wisdom? I don't know what that is. <laughs> but we can pray for you, can't we? Yeah. So well, knowledge, knowledge is important, right? Knowledge isn't everything. It's not just theor theories, um, contemplation of information. So then what... That leads us to what then is the biblical definition of wisdom. Read this definition for you. Wisdom is an orientation to God out of which comes the ability to please him with our lives. Where the combination of knowledge, experience, character allows one to apply God's truth to the experiences that they have so that that person can live in their context in a right and godly manner. I know that's a huge one, so I'll, I'll simplify it even more for you. Ready? Biblical wisdom is God's truth practically applied to every area of our lives, resulting in greater Christ-likeness. That's, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. And so even, even at that, knowledge of the scriptures is good, but if you don't ever apply anything from here, then you're a fool. And religious. But the wise person actively applies the knowledge and the truth gained from the word of God. So it is knowing, but it's also applying. Does that make sense? Awesome. So then, now that we kind of understand the, the perspectives of wisdom in a worldly sense, in a, biblical, uh, in a biblical sense as well, how then do we seize on to the promise of wisdom that God says, hey, this is yours, but not only seize it, but see it operating in our lives? Four things I want to talk about today. It's the four A's of wisdom. Are you ready for number one? Number one, align yourself with Jesus. You have to be aligned with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. And I love this because according to this, the scripture, I, I, I know this to our minds, our, our, in our, hum, our human limited minds, when God says like, I've made Jesus wisdom, itself is like personifying wisdom. Like if you want wisdom, Jesus is wisdom. And I love that he says like, man, we gotta, we gotta attach ourselves to Jesus and here's why. 
Because if you're outside of a relationship with Jesus, James says in James, uh, in James 3, that the only wisdom that's available to you is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Like that's, that's kind of sobering, actually. So when you're, you know, when you're looking for wisdom in others, you better make sure that these person have a relationship with Jesus. Otherwise, the wisdom you're getting can only be what James says is earthly, sensual, and demonic wisdom. So we have to be in a relationship with Jesus. And I love what Proverbs 2.6 says. It says, for the Lord gives wisdom, and out of his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So God is the only source of wisdom and the only source of true wisdom. And therefore, to attach yourself to Jesus, to align yourself to Jesus in relationship with him is the first and most important thing to see wisdom and uh, the promise of wisdom operating in your life. Okay? Number two. I know this is going to be mind-blowing. You have to ask. You have to ask. Right? That's our, that's our passage that we're in in James, right? If you lack, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. When I had a, I had a couple of really profound encounters with the Lord back in 2015 that have set me on the, this, this path that I'm now standing before you. And when I had those encounters, I actually didn't have a framework for what I had experienced. And so I went to the scriptures and um, it was awesome that the scriptures actually became alive again. It's like God kind of like just tore off a veil, a lens that I was reading through. And it's actually like, it actually made sense. And uh, when I was reading the New Testament, I'm like, oh man, this is what I need to be doing as a follower of Jesus. And I have not been doing that. But one of the prayers that I, I started to pray as I would enter into the scriptures, even, even before I started reading, before I opened my Bible, was the prayer that Paul prayed to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter one, he said, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So before even jumping in the scriptures, my prayer would be, God, grant to, to me, your servant, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. And I actually really believe that God did answer that. Because I asked, so we gotta ask. And even if we go back to King Solomon for a second, right, he becomes king of Israel and God appears to him in a dream. And in 1 Kings 3, 5, God says, ask. He says, ask and I will give you. Or what shall I give you? And Solomon's response is, therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. How many of you ask for a heart that's able to discern between good and evil? We've got to ask. One more scripture. Jesus in Luke 11 says, Ask, it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now I realize the context of this passage at the end of that. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. Asking for the Holy Spirit and how good our Father is to give good gifts and how good he, he is and will continue to give the promise of his Holy Spirit. But how many of you know the Holy Spirit is God 
And if God is the source of all wisdom, we're asking for the Holy Spirit. We're asking for the spirit of wisdom to be in operation in our life. So we see a clear demonstration in, in these scriptures that we actually have a responsibility to ask for wisdom. But is it possible there's one other thing? I'm sure there's multiple things, but I'm going to talk about this one. There's another thing that we need to ask for. And I'm pretty much guarantee not many people are asking for this. It's probably not really a, a super popular prayer in your, in your time with Jesus. And I, even I've been challenged by this to, to ask the Lord for this. But we need to ask also for the fear of the Lord. I have to ask for the fear of the Lord. Job 28, 28. And to man, he said, that's God, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Then in Psalm 111, 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. And then the Proverbs 9 echoes this, 9.10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Can you ask for the fear of the Lord? I think so. What is the fear of the Lord? It would take a sermon series in itself to, to unpack that, but I'll give you a brief de definition and I realize even this is lacking, but the fear of the Lord really is, it's a posture of our hearts. It's a posture of awe and respect and reverence for the God of creation and redemption that actually produces within us, it elicits just worship and adoration for God and also obedience to following his commands. That's the fear of the Lord. So there's an asking for it, but there's also a, a just getting under and just understanding that like, yes, yes, Jesus is my friend, but he was Lord first before he was my friend. And so it's just getting to that place of like, wow, I just, I just worship you and I'm so in awe of you right now. The fear of the Lord. So my challenge for us then is to ask for wisdom and also ask for the fear of the Lord. All right, number three, we need to actively search for wisdom. And you're gonna be like, wait, Greg, you just said that we just have to ask for it. Well, Yes, there's, there's an asking for it, but there's also a, a searching out for wisdom as well. And what I mean by that is like, like we, gotta, we gotta search the scriptures. Like we have to understand God's truth in order to actually live out God's truth. And when I say, you know, actively search for wisdom, wisdom is more than just looking for an answer for an immediate situation that you're facing. Wisdom is actually a lifestyle lived, right? It's becoming wise. And so when I say actively searching for wisdom and searching the scriptures, like this is why it's important to be in the word of God every single day. Implanting that truth in your heart so that when you do come into a, a situation where you're actually needing wisdom, God's already planted the word of God and part of that solution in your heart that he brings to mind, you're like, oh man, I remember when God spoke that. You apply that to your situation. So we need to know the truth in order to apply it. And I also believe that when we're aligned with Jesus and we've asked for the spirit of wisdom and, and revelation, that God will actually reveal to you uh, a solution or wisdom for what it is that, that you need. How many know that in the Bible, 
there are four books that are classified or categorized as wisdom literature. How many actually knew that? All right, good. So I'm going to give those to you. Are you ready? It's Proverbs, it's Job, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Those are the four uh, books of the Bible that are, are, are wisdom literature. Now there's some rules in interpreting those, and I just want to read this definition for you here. That the wisdom books are not a collection of universal promises, right? They were, they were written in a context, and in a culture that's much different than our own. However, they are a collection of valuable insights into godly living which if taken to heart and head will develop godly character, a character that will make wise choices in the rough and tumble of, market, of the marketplace of life. It was interesting, between services, I, I had someone come up to me, and uh, he said when he was 27, um, he was working at a camp, and his kind of director came up to him and said, you are not wise. <laughs> How would you like that? Hey, you're not wise. And he's like, what do I, what do, I do to become wise? And his director said, you need to be in the Proverbs every day. And um, this person shared with me for, the last, for 30 years, he read a Proverbs a day. Because what's amazing is that with Proverbs, when they, did, uh, the, when they added chapters and verses in the early 1200s in, in the, the Bible, they divided Proverbs into, guess how many chapters? 31. How many days are in July? 31. Guess what? You get a proverb a day. So if you're looking for somewhere to start, even the summer, you're like, man, yeah, I do actually want to jump back into the scriptures. Man, start in the Proverbs. You can read a chapter a day. And you know what? On those days, or on those months that only have 30 days, just read two. So we actively search the scriptures for wisdom and insight into godly living. Now also... We have, you know, among us, people that have been walking with Jesus, who have fruit in their lives, who are actually wise. And so we can search those people out as well. Like how many of you have had a conversation with somebody that seemed to like be speaking directly into your situation or giving you advice or, or discerning with you and you're like, how did you even know that? What's even more scary is when somebody that doesn't even know Jesus is like, you're like, Lord, you're speaking to me through, this, through my boss? It's happened. Um, one of the ways God allows us to seize onto that promise of wisdom is through others, through the Holy Spirit speaking through others. So we've got to search those people out and invite them into speaking into our lives. Because how many of you know, according to, the, to Proverbs 13.20, that he who walks with the wise... He walks with wise men will be wise. Man, who wants, to, who wants to be wise here? Everyone. Walk with wise people. Proverbs 15, 22 says that without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they're established. So again, there's those, there's those among us. And, and like I said earlier, um, make sure that that person has fruit and is walking with Jesus because obviously you don't want to get the wrong, kind of, the, the wrong kind of wisdom, the worldly wisdom. All right, so we have searching, so we have aligning ourselves with Jesus, we have asking, we have actively searching. Finally, if we want to seize the, the promise of wisdom and see it operating in our lives, we actually need to apply, right? We need to apply the wisdom, we need to apply the knowledge that we've gained 
the, the, the wisdom we've taken from, from the scriptures, we need to apply it in our lives, right? God's truth practically applied to every area of our lives. So here's an example. You're reading the Proverbs, and if you're starting to read the Proverbs today, it'll be July 9th, so on July 15th, you'll come across this proverb, and maybe you're sitting in your floaty on the lake, but you come across a proverb like this, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And you're like, oh, wow. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And you're thinking, okay, you know, am I gonna, am I gonna join in the questionable conversation of uh, my coworkers when I get back to work or, or the next day when I go to work and speak in perversion and actually end up, you know, breaking spirits? Or am I gonna apply this proverb and when I open my mouth, the words that come out of my mouth are gonna be a tree of life and bring life into this situation and hope into the situation and bring healing. That word wholesome is also healing. That's just one example. There's, guys, there's so many more, but it's applying it, right? It's not just the knowledge, it's the applying of um, that helps us to seize onto that promise of wisdom. And some of you might be asking too, like, how do I know, how do I know if I'm becoming wise? <laughs> how do I know if I'm, if I'm walking in wisdom? If you're still in James, just flip over a couple of pages to James 3. Verse 17, it says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. There's a couple of words in there that really stick out to me, and that's the word fruits. Fruits, but also there's like peace, peaceable. You want to know if you're walking in godly wisdom? Your life is going to reflect the life of Jesus, which is actually going to be evidenced by the fruit of the Holy Spirit growing in your life um, and demonstrated through your attitude, your conduct, how you approach situations, how you approach conversations. So there's going to be fruit in your life. Because I believe it's the fruit of the Spirit, it's the fruit of Christ that will not only be the, the evidence of, of God's wisdom growing within you and you seizing on to that promise, but it's also going to inform your decisions that you're faced with. I got a quick story and then we'll, then we'll close. Uh, I had mentioned earlier just a, those encounters that I had with the Lord that kind of put me uh, on this path. And um, I can remember uh, processing with my wife, like what is, you know, what's the practical, excuse me, what's the practical next steps that we have to, to take in order to pursue what I believe God, God is calling me into. And one of those things was going into school. And so that took two years. So in 2017, I'm still working, but the plan was at the end of 2017, um, December, I would put in my notice and then I would start school in January of 2018. And so in September of 2017, I got a call from my boss. I was uh, working as a technician and I had my own field service truck. We were working in air compression. And so um, my general manager, whom I had prayed for once at an oil show 
for his dad and um, had a couple of breakfasts with him just as, as team. Those were the only interactions that I've ever really had with, the, with this guy. You know, he calls me and says, hey, Greg, we've got this, this great opportunity for you. We've got training in L.A. We're going to pay all of your expenses, flights, the training, food, hotels, everything. You can go to, you're going to go down to L.A. You can have a couple days even to, to explore. You know, it's, he's kind of like, it's like a trip. And I'm like, man, this actually sounds really awesome. And so I'm talking to him on the phone. I'm like, okay. And he's like, you know, we want to train you on this uh, piece of equipment because we want you to become the specialist in that. And I got off the phone with him and I said, yeah, I'll come see you as soon as I get back to the office. And so I got off the phone with him and I was like, oh man, I don't know, like in my walk with Jesus, my relationship with Jesus, he's my boss. When I got a hold of that, like, man, I'm working for the Lord. I'm not working for a person. I'm working for Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, like, what, what do I do here? And I knew immediately, he's almost like he spoke immediately. He's like, it wouldn't be an integrity to go on this trip to get training for that, to be quitting at the end of the month. And I was like, yeah, I, I was kind of sensing that. So, I mean, aligned with Jesus, I asked him. And then I also asked my dad, right? Actively searching. I called my dad. I'm like, dad, like, what do you think about this situation? Like, here's the thing. If I go in and I say, hey, I'm actually like leaving your company, you know, he, he could actually just fire me. Like, what, why would, you know, why would we want to hang on to you? Like, if you're leaving anyway, we'll just find someone. And so there are these things that I had to process. There's actually like a pretty big decision to go, to go through in this moment. And so, but in asking and, and, and searching the wisdom of others, you know, I really felt peace in my heart that the right thing to do was uh, to, tell my, to tell my boss, like, this is what's going to happen. So I get to the shop and go upstairs to his office. And I walk in and he's like, Greg, yeah, you ready for, the, for this trip? And I just said, hey, I got to stop you. I was like, listen, you know, you know I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. But I really feel like the Lord is calling me into ministry. And so actually I've been exploring and I really feel like in in the winter, like just after Christmas, I'm, I'm supposed to start uh, going to school, which means I'm going to be putting in my notice with you guys. And, and the plan was to put my notice in, in December. But because the situation has come up, I need you to know that in good conscience and in my integrity, and because I love Jesus, I, I, I can't have you send me to LA and only for me to, to quit this, this company in a couple of months. And he sits back in his chair and he goes, tell me more about Jesus. And I was like, wait, what? And so we, we, turns out that he was, he was a Catholic and grew up Catholic. He actually had a friend from where he was that, that was a pastor. He was an Alliance pastor even. So, so he had questions. And so we talked probably like 45 minutes about, about Jesus. And I just kind of laid out the gospel for him, what we believe as Christians in that and the differences with uh, Catholicism. And um, he was like, okay. He's like, and so at the end of that conversation, I was like, so can I keep working here then? <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, of course. And you know what? He actually like protected me from his manager who was like, how come Greg's not going? And I don't know what he did, but I just bless him because like he, uh, we got to December. He's like, Greg, I can't cover it for you anymore. I'm like, don't worry. Here's my, <laughs> here, here's my notice. And uh, the amazing thing too is that like, you know, he's the only guy that I've kept in contact from that from that place um, over the last five years. We just had lunch back in April. And uh, so I believe that God is doing something in his life and I just appreciate him. And I, I just wanted to say that because I could have taken all of that, no I could have had all that knowledge and not applied and that wouldn't have been wisdom. 
But because I applied, I just felt like, man, this was a wise moment. This is a wise decision. Then you see how the Lord actually worked through it. So biblical wisdom is God's truth practically applied to every area of our lives resulting in greater Christ-likeness. Who wants to be wise? Yeah. And we can seize that promise of wisdom and, and begin to cultivate that in our lives by aligning ourselves with Jesus, asking for wisdom, actively searching it out in the scriptures and, and through others. And also the most important is applying God's instruction. Awesome. Why don't you stand? Let the wise rise. So how do we, so what do we, how do we respond? What, what do we do now? A couple of things. Number one, obviously, the most important thing, man, if you're not in relationship with Jesus, like you need to, you need to get into a relationship with him. And if you've never given Jesus or surrendered your life to Jesus, we're going to have a team up here at the end that they'd love to pray with you. And uh, why not make that decision today to walk with Jesus? You have access to God's wisdom in Christ. And for some of us who have been like, yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've got a good Christian profession. I, I profess to know Jesus, but the relational aspect is missing. Well, it's okay. God is always close to you, but you need to repent and you need to come back to Jesus. And you need to get your relationship right with Jesus because you want access to that heavenly wisdom. So get into a relationship with Jesus. Some of us actually just need to ask Right? Ask the Father, the prayer that I prayed, hey, grant to me your servant wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you and the knowledge of this situation. Show me, show me what, I'm, what I'm supposed to do. We've got to ask. And maybe you've asked, and it's time to do a deep dive into the scriptures. God's like, hey, I'm not going to give you the answer just like that. I want you to be part of the journey, and I want to show you and, and be in relationship with you as you're searching this out. Some of you maybe need to just lay aside your pride and just ask a fellow believer. Just be like, hey, you know, I just need your help. Um, you seem like a wise person. Looks like you got fruit. I mean, you can ask that question. <laughs> Are you in a relationship with Jesus? Are you operating in heavenly wisdom? Ask those questions. Maybe you've asked all these questions. You, you know, you, you've You've sought the Lord, you're in a relationship, you've asked for, you've asked, God's given you scriptures, you've talked to people, they've given you an answer, and you haven't done anything with it yet. It's just sitting as knowledge, and, and the next step is actually to take a step of obedience and a step of faith and apply what you've learned. Maybe that's the next step for you today. And if you've done all of that, and you still feel like you need wisdom, I don't know what to tell you. Other than this, I'm kidding. This is where faith comes in. And we read that as in our passage in James, right? Let, he, let him who asks, ask in faith with no doubting. Gotta ask in faith. We gotta attach our faith to Jesus who will do what he said he would do. God doesn't go back on his promises. So if he's promised you wisdom and you're attaching your faith to Jesus, I really believe that you will seize that promise of wisdom and that you can trust God to move in your life and you can trust God to release that answer and see wisdom come and operate in your life to his glory. God, trust him. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you.
I thank you for the promise of wisdom. I thank you that, uh, man, as we come into relationship with Jesus, as we are united with Christ who is wisdom, we thank you for that. Our, our minds sometimes can't perceive that, but we in faith grab hold of that. We attach our, ourselves to Jesus. We align ourselves with Jesus, and we believe that, God, the promise of wisdom will come. And, and let this people, let us as a, as a congregation here at Kingdom City rise in wisdom. Lord God, would, would people around us be like, man, how are you so wise? And we can say, hey, you know what? It's, it's because I, I, I'm attached to the one who is wisdom. And this is how he gives wisdom through his word. And Lord, we can, um, we can actually have solutions. Thank you that you're releasing solutions. You're releasing wisdom through this congregation. And, and we love you, Jesus, and we honor you, and we just we bless you, and we just thank you for our time together. And just let no seed that was uh, today just fall to, to the ground, Lord. Would, uh, would there be fruit, the fruit of wisdom in our lives? In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray this. Amen.